Welcome back to another episode of Crush and Lemons. As always, my name is Ryan and I'll be your host each episode. As the old saying goes, when life gives you lemons, make lemonade. Here on Crush and Lemons, we're dedicated to sharing the inspirational stories of our guests each week who've persevered through life's challenges. On today's episode, our special guest is Cedric, and he's going to share his story about being adopted as a young child and some of the struggles he faced that ultimately led him to launching the career he's always wanted. And he'll share some pieces of advice that he figured out along the way as well. And now it's time to sit back, relax, grab some lemonade, and join Cedric and I as we talk about his lemon moments and how he was able to make his very own lemonade. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Crush and Lemons. We've got another awesome Michigan Tech alum as our guest this week. So to kick off the episode, I will let him introduce himself. Hi, uh, I'm Cedric Kennedy, and as mentioned, I'm a Michigan Tech alum. I graduated with my undergrad back in 2016. I was studying business and psychology at the time, and I've been very entrepreneurial focused, going from startup to startup. Actually, right now, we're working on another startup. We raised a little bit of funding, which is pretty, pretty interesting, but... Uh, to talk a little bit about my background as well, my I would say my background is a little bit unconventional. Where, as a young child, I was I was adopted, um, was went through the foster care for a couple of years. Both my sisters and I were kept together throughout my entire life, so that we were very lucky with that. And my biological family, my mom and dad, they um, they had their own struggles. They were both very very young. They were 16 and 17, I believe, or 15 and 16 when they had had me at first, and then Jackie and Jessica. Uh, a year after three kids within three years, essentially, they both had struggled with drugs and alcohol and decided that they wanted to give us a better opportunity. So that's how we had ended up in um, an orphanage for a small bit of time. Then we were in foster care. I was adopted by an incredible family who have given my sisters and I amazing opportunities, which for a little bit I had squandered, which I, I would like to talk about a little bit here. And how I turned that downside of my life into something very, very positive and something that I do not regret, but instead look as a look at as a great um, learning opportunity that I carry with me today. And I like to share that with anybody, and hopefully that inspires some listeners. I love how all of my guests are so willing to share their stories with others, even just to touch them a little bit, or hopefully share some of that light and inspiration. So let's just dive right in. How about you set the scene, let our listeners know, and let's look at what your lemon moments have been. Absolutely. So this was when I had just graduated high school. And when I graduated high school, when I was in, uh, actually, let's backtrack even further. When I was in middle school, uh, I had struggled with a lot of issues with learning. When as a young kid, I had learned uh, reading problems. I was a little further, far behind when it came to others in my class and my peers around me. So it was around sixth or seventh grade. And I think my parents, when they took me out of school and I became homeschooled with both my sisters, my dad had dedicated his career in, towards how do we teach others how to learn and how can we create a better educational uh, setting for all sor- sorts of students, not just what the public schools uh, have created for us. Correct, right. So I was homeschooled and half the time I'd go to public schools where I would take care of my arts and my athletics and things of that nature. And then when I went to college, it was a whole brand new challenge. And I hadn't had much opportunity in terms of exploring my world around me when I was homeschooled. I was stuck at home all the time. I was relatively sheltered. I was never out past nine o'clock. So the second I hit college, I saw this whole new world and all these kids having fun and partying. And I got involved with that pretty quickly. Did horribly in school, essentially flunked out once, 
was granted to come back, luckily, because my dad was working at the university, flunked out again, realized I did not want to go to school. And at that time, I was dating a girl and decided to move to Wisconsin, where I would bartend for a couple of years. And during those couple of years, I had gotten into some trouble. I was arrested for breaking and entering. It was a prank that a buddy of mine had pulled and got a little bit of trouble with that. Was let off pretty easily. Spent a little time in jail. I was given time to serve with some probation. Learned a lesson from there. But then I really got caught up into a lot of drinking. I got caught up into some drugs uh, down in Wisconsin. Really just in a bad, just got caught up in a bad group of people. And over the course of those couple of years, I mean, when I was, when I, when I had gone down there, I was about 170, 180 pounds. Within two years, I was 260 pounds. And it was just from drinking a really unactive lifestyle, a very poor lifestyle. I did some things that just weren't, I guess, wouldn't be really looked at as uh, good things. Squandered some relationships with old friends. I had stopped talking to my parents for a couple of years because we would fight all the time about whether or not I should go to school or whatnot. And I hated that they were trying to control me. So I completely just cut ties with talking to them for over a year, including my sisters. So there, I damaged that relationship quite a bit at the beginning, lost my dad's trust for quite a while. And over the course of those years, I, I don't know how many people would reach out to me and told me, what are you doing with your life? You know, you've got so much more to give. You had so much opportunity. You're one of the smartest kids we ever knew. You know, you were the nicest kid growing up. What What are you doing with your life? And it was one day I was bartending and the same gentleman, he would probably come to the bar five, six times a day or a, a, per week. And he would drink himself till he would pass out of the bar. And after knowing him for a couple of years, it was on a, it was a Thursday or Friday night. It was at the end of the week when he was sitting there and he told me that I wouldn't be seeing him for a while, that he had to leave. He had to go take care of his sister who was dying from cancer. And we had got to know each other quite well. He would share all of his intimate stories, his background. And uh, to a certain degree, I feel like that's why he would come to this bar. because I was somebody who would listen to him and kind of just uh, reciprocate that. So, but what he did tell me was, you know, she doesn't have an incredible amount of time to live. It'll probably be a few months and I will be back. But when I do come back, Cedric, I don't want to see you here. I see a lot of myself in you. When I look back at when I was your age, when I was bartending, and I see what I did to myself over the years, and you're too much of an incredible person. You're too kind. I see how you interact with others. You've got more to give to this world. You've got to get out of this bar. And there was something for the first time where that stuck with me. I've heard it a million times, but that stuck with me to a point where I think here's a lemon moment when life gave me that lemon where I thought to myself, well, I need to do something with my life. That's when I realized that I was 200, almost 260 pounds. And it's only because I took my dog to the vet and he wouldn't get on the scale. So I had to hold him and then weigh myself separately to find out his weight. And I'm like, okay, so I gained a lot of weight. That was a big like eye opener because I was really athletic in, in, in high school. I was big into sports and all these things just kind of like came crashing down onto me. So I actually Googled how do I change my life? And I came across a story of this gentleman who uh, talked about how he took a Polaroid picture of himself, took that picture and put it up on his door frame up right next, um, as he would leave his room, he would look at that picture and he would tell himself he would never be that person again. And that's exactly what I did. And I still have that picture locked away. And I would look at that picture every day. And I told myself, that's not who I want to be. And I remember about a week later, I, you know, I started working out. I started looking into how do I go back to school? What are my true goals? What do I want to do? And I've always had this entrepreneurial drive. I always wanted to start a business. When I was a kid, I was designing menus to create 
for opening a restaurant or I had all these little ideas. And I was always asking my dad, well, what if this happened? And my dad used to get so annoyed by all the what if questions I would ask. So I was like, well, I'll go to school for business. Uh, I don't know why, but it sounds like that's something you might want to know if you're going to start a business. So I called my dad, said, dad, I want to go back to school. And he's like, not, not on my dime, not on my clock. You know, I'm not going to help you get back into tech. He squandered that twice. So I called my mom and said, mom, I want to go back to school. My mom said, well, you're going to have to find a way to gain your dad's trust. Um, you know, he's, you've been, he's been upset with you for some time. So I just decided that, okay, well, I'm going to do it on my own. And at the time I was living in Wisconsin, I moved back to my hometown in Houghton. That's where Michigan Tech was. I had enrolled into a community school where I went for a year and I got all A's and I took that and gave it to my dad for his birthday. I showed him, dad, I'm ready to go back to school to Michigan Tech. And he helped me get back enrolled. And here's another, um, moment where I had to reflect upon what all that, all that I had done over that year to push me through to this next uh, challenge. Because when I enrolled into Michigan Tech, finally, I was in this intro business class. And the first day of class, they told us, go down to the gym at the Air Force building in the ROTC building, and we're going to be performing a couple exercises. So we all go to the gym that morning and I look around me and I see all these kids. Uh, I'm nervous back in Michigan Tech. I'm a little bit older than everybody at this point. And the role or the objective of this class was to line ourselves up by our birth date from oldest to youngest without communicating, without, or not without communicating, but without talking to each other verbally, without um, writing anything down. So of all people, I was the first one to notice up around the ceiling, there were plaques that were ordered by date from the 1970s all the way to the most recent year. And I was born in 1989. Everyone else was born in 1995. And it just so happened that 1989 was in the far south corner of the gym. And 1995 was in the north um, section of the gym in the middle. So there I was standing by myself, looking at everyone else in my class on the other side of the gym, thinking to myself, what did I get myself into? And I went and pulled out that picture again and told myself, there's a reason why you're doing this. And... I was like, all right, we're going to do it. And I'm going to get through Michigan Tech, which I, which I did. And, and it was with the help of so many people, not just myself. I mean, part of it was my own personal drive that I wanted to do something. But Andre LaPlume, for instance, he was probably one of the biggest individuals who made an impact with, at my time at Michigan Tech. He was the Berkeley Chair for Entrepreneurship. He taught entrepreneurship. He taught a couple business classes. He was the faculty member and advisor for the entrepreneurship club. And he was the one that took me under his wing and helped me do a lot of really cool things and really ignited my ambition to start this business and do something really cool. And that ignited my opportunity where another lemon came up where someone said, well, we've got this cool trip. It's out in Silicon Valley. It costs 500 bucks. I had no money at this time. I had just spent any money I had, you know, going to go uh, community college, and I was like, well, what I'm going to do. So I went and got a part-time job uh, serving some tables and bartending again and took that to pay for my trip out to Silicon Valley, where we spent a week touring a couple dozen headquarters of the Netflix, Facebooks of the world, meeting a bunch of Michigan Tech alumni who were out there who were no different than me, which opened my eyes to this opportunity thinking, well, if they could do it, I could do it. And that has completely changed my entire life. And I shared the same story on campus to the entrepreneurship club when I became the president of the club. And a couple people were inspired by it. And a couple people were in a very similar position where they're a little bit older. Uh, they had struggled through school. They got in a little bit of trouble. And we connected on that. 
And somebody said, well, I'm in this class actually right now. That's all about finding, you know, or um, finding a career that works for you. And he asked me to come speak at that class, which I did. I spoke to the class, talked about this and talked about my experience and how, you know, I, I struggled, but just a couple positive opportunities and a couple people along the way had given me these opportunities. I took full advantage of it. So that's, it's a long, that was a long background, but I, I'm sure you might have some questions that I'd love to answer. <laughs> yeah, definitely. And I, I feel like there's a lot of people that can probably resonate with your story that are internalizing the fear of, okay, I've gotten into trouble in the past. I do want to go back to school. And how do I do that? Maybe I am substantially older than the rest of the, the average kids who are there. And it, it's incredible that you're willing to share your story of overcoming that and kind of getting back in. So one thing um, that I'm wondering is what would you say was kind of your biggest fear when you were in your lemon moment before you started turning things around? My biggest fear, and it's something I still deal with today. I don't know if it's like a, it's like a little demon inside of me or what it is, but it's the fear of not being good enough. And I've talked about this with my parents quite a bit with my wife, uh, close friends. And a lot of us, you know, and I, I tend to believe some of it goes back to when I was a young kid, uh, being adopted, put into an orphanage to foster home to uh, being adopted. And as a kid, I remember there's a lot of stories where I'll share one story, for instance, it was a dream that I would have quite often as a child where I was abandoned on a train. And later when I was old enough, my dad told me that this dream was a true story where my mom had taken both my sisters and I from my father, who was abusive, and took us to put us on a train to bring us to her family in Michigan. So that's actually how I ended up in Michigan. But she uh, ended up drinking a lot on the train, ended up getting off the train and leaving my, my sisters and I on that train. Uh, when we finally were reunited, she took us to an orphanage and dropped us up on the doorsteps. So, and then after that, I remember even as a young kid, um, going to courtrooms and I was real young at this time still, I was only like, I was still only almost five years old at this point. And I remember, um, my mom crying a lot and I remember, and I knew I, I comprehended what was going on. I knew we were being taken away from my mom. And I remember telling my mom, don't worry, I'll take care of my sisters. And for some reason, throughout my whole life, I've had this thing telling me the self-talk saying you're never good enough. And I've had that fear forever. And I still have it um, to this day. It's not it's not completely gone. I've overcome it a lot because I've, I've come to terms with or I've, come, I've uh, developed practices where I can overcome that. And I know that I, whatever I do, I'm going to give it my hardest and it's not always going to work out not everything is going to be successful and not everything's going to turn out the way that you think it's going to. But if you try to put your best uh, effort forward, you're going to land somewhere between <laughs> what you wanted and somewhere probably at the bottom. But even what I've also learned is every failure and every time something didn't work out, there was 100% something incredible to learn from that opportunity that you could be used for something in the future. And I would say that was my greatest fear. And still today, it's something that haunts me, but I, I work on it all the time. That that self-reflection and admitting to yourself, hey, I still have this fear. It's something I'm continue, continuously working on, I think is half the battle of being able to recognize it and kind of embrace it rather than live in denial and say, oh, I've, I've overcome this. I'm, I'm over it. So I think part of it, and, and I've learned this every time I talk to a guest, it, it's a lot about your mindset of how you think about things. 
and a mindset can turn things around so drastically. You had mentioned that you kind of pushed your parents away for a while during your difficult time. Was there anybody in your life at that point who was kind of like your rock or somebody who grounded you through all of this? Or did it feel like you were kind of out there alone trying to figure everything out? In the, in the very beginning, I, I did feel alone uh, where I was trying to figure it out. And I knew I've never doubted that my parents didn't have my back. But at that time, things just weren't going well. So my goal was to prove that I could do it. One to myself, but also to my parents, who I think had kind of lost faith in me. But I was their son and they were willing to help me when I needed help. Uh, but there uh, one person that I did meet, and this is when I took that part-time job when I was trying to pay for that Silicon Valley trip, uh, Ryan uh, Moreau, my very, very good friend of mine. He was my best man at my wedding. I met him along the way and he was somebody that I met while he was working there as well, but he was going to tech and we bonded over the Detroit lions of all things. It was a Sunday when we were watching the lions and they were getting destroyed. And I saw this other guy who was all, just as upset as I was and instantly we bonded because you bond over horrible things and that's what we bonded over, but we became really great friends and I had to learn about what he was doing. And I watched him become, uh, watched him become successful at Michigan tech and watched his study habits. And I watched some of the things that he was doing and I, and I stuck with him. And through that, that one person kind of became my rock. Um, I shared a lot of the things that I had been struggling with. I shared with him my story of uh, everything that was going on at Wisconsin, the stuff that I had pushed through. And he was always somebody that I could trust. And he, he never judged me for anything. He always had really great advice. He was always honest and brutal with advice um, sometimes too, which I absolutely needed. You know, that some people, I mean, like my parents, for instance, are always very positive. They weren't always as brutal. My dad is now. Like he's, I, I actually use my dad as my devil's advocate for everything. So every decision I make, like, dad, tell me why I shouldn't do this or tell me why this is a bad idea. But at the time, it was definitely Ryan for sure. It's always good to have somebody there and... Uh, I, I feel like, again, after talking to so many people on this show, a lot of people have kind of had that same moment as you where they've been kind of out there trying to figure things out and somebody comes into their life and really helps turn it around. Um, so if other people are struggling, maybe just take a step back, look around, and you may have that person in your life already and not even realize it. Um, so be open to those ideas that somebody is there to help you. You're not necessarily alone facing all of this. And I, I think that's awesome that you had a friend there who could help you get through all of this. hundred percent. And I think what I also learned too is when you feel alone and there's going to be times where you do feel alone, that 100% there are people that are going to be, that there are people there for you right now and you might not know it. And it's just simply, sometimes it's just as simple as asking for help. And all of a sudden a lot of people are going to be willing to do so for real. Um, you've got people who love you. No matter what you're thinking right now, no matter how down you are on yourself at the moment, there are people that love you 100%. And if there's somebody that you're willing to do something for, if there's somebody you're willing to go out of your way for, I'm sure that person's willing to do the exact same thing. Well, and with that, let's kind of start transitioning and look at your lemonade that you were able to create out of these experiences, kind of going down the rabbit hole, finding your way back out. You're back at tech, you're working towards your degree. So what is your lemonade out of all of this? Man, so I'll give you one. So I'll start off, but there was a class that I took. It was called Leadership Development. And Latha Punamali was my professor. And the first day of class, she told us that every day for the rest of the semester, we're going to take 15 to 20 minutes at the beginning of class and meditate. And I remember thinking, what is this? 
this is stupid. <laughs> I'm dropping the, I am dropping this class. And I actually was going to drop it, but I had no other choice. It was a class where I got to choose between leadership development and another one. But the other class wasn't offered until the spring. But that semester was completely booked up already. So I'm like, all right, well, I guess I'm sticking it out. The first couple of classes, I remember we were supposed to be meditating. I don't have their eyes closed or whatnot. And I was adjusting my fantasy football lineup. So I wasn't taking it seriously. <laughs> but then there was a day. It was the beginning of class when... Uh, she, I mean, she noticed most students didn't take it very seriously and some students did. She told us a story about thinking about where you are at this exact moment. Like feel yourself sitting in your chair. You're here present right now and you have the choice to do anything. You could get up and walk out of my class. You can get, you can still and sit on your phone. And she looked at me. <laughs> uh, you can get up and hop around, do jumping jacks. You can legitimately do anything. You have infinite possibilities at this exact moment. And every decision you make at every microsecond of your life could lead you down a new path. And that was like, I was like, whoa, that's so true. And I thought, I was like, well, I could just leave this class right now. I've got all the better things to do. But that's that's not what I did. I stuck with it. And I, and I was like, all right, I'm going to try this. I'm going to test it out. So I started meditating in class. And before I knew it, I started to Google other type of forms of meditation. And I learned about this meditation called this running meditation, where as you're running, you're focusing on the feeling of the palms of your feet, and you slowly start focusing on the different um, body parts as you're running until you're kind of lost in the moment and you start becoming present with what's going on. And then uh, I take that and I transition into trying to figure out what I'm grateful for. And it could be the littlest things like, what am I grateful for today? Not even like the big macro things. Like I'm grateful for living or grateful for my family and all that. Of course, those are very important. But what are the little things like today at this exact moment? What am I grateful for? Like, I'm grateful for that my shoes right now, they feel good. I'm grateful that my knees aren't hurting. I'm grateful that I'm going to have a coffee after this run. And I'm grateful that something's going to happen. Those little things that completely changes your mindset. So I started doing that every single morning. And before I knew it, all of a sudden, new opportunities started to appear. And that's because I started, I was in this positive mindset where I started putting myself and looking and seeking for new opportunities. I had no idea what I wanted to do yet. All I knew was I was studying business. So I joined this entrepreneurship class, which was another class I got to choose between like three or four classes. It was an elective sort of class. And we were challenged with starting some type of business where we could kickstart it. And we were paired up with three random people who had different backgrounds. And the idea was to take these three different backgrounds and come up with a product or a service or something that you could create together with those backgrounds and then create a Kickstarter and raise some money. So I remember at that time, I remember reading an article about how there was all this plastic being thrown into the ocean. And we had somebody on our team who knew 3D printing. I was this business guy. We had somebody who was an artist. And something clicked where I was like, well, why can't we just use that same plastic that's being thrown away for 3D printers? And my teacher's like, that's a really great idea. So I reached out to an, uh, Dr. Pierce, who was in charge of the materials department at that point, or at least the, that portion of the materials department, and asked him about it because he had actually written a research paper about this. And I decided I'm going to build an injection molding machine. So I joined this enterprise where they were doing that and found a couple of kids who were interested and said, hey, let's do it. So I ended up doing this uh, elevator pitch competition, won a little bit of money, took that money to buy all the parts for this injection molding machine, built an injection molding machine. At one point, I had an entire basement full of rotten milk bottles or milk jugs from all the fraternities and sororities because they would throw them away and they would have dozens of them. So I'd go and collect them from them every weekend. And I had a couple hundred to the point where I walked into my house one day. I'm like, what is that smell? I had to go downstairs. <laughs> 
we threw all that. I'm going to throw it all away, but we grinded it down. We pelletized it. I know it wasn't bad, but after hundreds and hundreds of attempts, we finally created a plastic out of pop bottles. Um, it wasn't very, wasn't really that great. The quality wasn't that good, but we proved this concept. And that little bit of success, like launched everything. Like I, at that point, I'm like, wow, we're going to be the next Mark Zuckerberg's. We're going to like kill it. We're going to crush it. We're going to grow this company. And we didn't, didn't work um, <laughs> at the end. But during that time, I met so many cool people. I met uh, individuals. I met people who were interested in investing in this idea. I met pe- investors who were connecting me with other engineers. Dr. Pierce at Michigan Tech was getting me in touch with engineers uh, in his graduate program who wanted to help build different materials. For instance, they built a material where they were taking recycled wood resin from uh, these old chairs and, and infusing it into a plastic. So after you 3D printed, it looked and felt and smelled like wood, but it was actually like a plastic. And we were doing all these really cool things. So that, that really launched like my entrepreneurial drive. I'm going to do this. I'm going to be an entrepreneur. I'm starting my own company. And we started to do so. We weren't very successful, but it led me to, or it opened up so many other opportunities. So when I graduated from school, I reached out to one of those investors and said, hey, you know, this is what we've been working on. What should I be doing? Uh, that Why did it work? And he said, well, read this book. And it was this book about how you focus on your customer and solving a true problem. So I read that book and we started going through that. We started interviewing customers. What we found was that a lot of the people on campus who didn't have access to a 3D printer needed things 3D printed. So we started 3D printing for these students. But then all of a sudden we got an order for 600 Huskies to print and we didn't have enough printers to do it. But I knew people who had printers. So I'm like, all right, can you help me? Can you help me? Can you help me? And all of a sudden we had separate printers printing for this one big project. And I thought to myself, wow, I could do that. I could take this idea, I replicate it and make it a big scalable uh, idea. So within a couple of weeks, it just so happened that the timing worked out where another big company called 3D Hubs, who essentially did that, eliminated access to thousands of their users. So I went on Reddit and said, did 3D Hub screw you over? I've got a platform that will help you. And overnight, we had over 700 3D printers sign up for our platform, ready to print parts. We got a couple orders for 3D prints. We had this idea that was hashed out. We had a couple developers working on the software. We met with a company down in Indiana who was really interested in using this platform. And then it was the timing of that just so happened. It was like I was graduating from school, so were my partners. My lead developer wanted to go to Silicon Valley because he had his dream job opportunity, which he did. And things started to crumble because I was not a developer. I couldn't build the technology. I was the sales guy and I was working on the business side of things. So that started to crumble a little bit. So I was like, well, what am I going to do next? So I got an opportunity to work at Michigan Tech where I would travel the country, meet with a lot wealthy alumni and, and look and solicit donations from them to support different parts of the, of the university. Through that, I met incredible entrepreneurs all around our country who have had huge successes. And I took that opportunity to not only do my job and raise money for the university, but also learn as much as I can about what they were doing as entrepreneurs. And I built this, built this incredible network. This network led me to the next startup where I helped raise some funding for, and then set me up with the company I'm currently working for today called Amatis Controls. And now I'm down in Detroit helping develop and scale this technology and looking for new revenue opportunities nationwide, has had some great success over the last year. And now at the same time, simultaneously, I'm working on another startup where we've raised some money. It's a really neat startup where essentially we're creating a workforce management tool for 
field workers. So anybody that dispatches field workers, there's not a, in certain industries like the electrical contracting industry, they don't have a very good way of doing it. Right now they've got a crew of let's say 50 electricians uh, or they're borrowing electricians from another crew and they sit, physically have a list of people and their phone numbers and they call them one at a time saying, can you work on this day, do this day on this job? And it takes them forever to do it. So like, well, let's just pull a tool phone and makes it easier. So that's what we're doing on that. But essentially, to wrap that all up into like a couple sentences, that lemon, the lemonade that I've made was simply just taking the opportunity and putting myself into situations that necessarily didn't feel comfortable doing, but I just wanted to see and test the waters. And it led to me meeting a couple people who took me under their wing, who put me in front of a couple other people who presented new opportunities. And I like to say it's really, I was really lucky, but I've talked to so many people who say, yes, you are lucky, but luck is always also created because if you're willing to put yourself in an opportunity, it wasn't necessarily luck that it happened to you. It's you willing to like step out of your comfort zone, walk into something new, try it out. And then something happened. Right. So it's not always necessarily a lot. Yes. It could be lucky that maybe you won the lottery. That's completely luck. Right. But at the same time, you bought the ticket and you put yourself in the opportunity to do it. Not saying that you should go buy a bunch of tickets with a lottery. <laughs> it won't happen. But I think that's the gist of what I'm trying to say. <laughs> well, and I know I rambled a little bit there, but I, I get excited when I think about it and I share this story. So, <laughs> well, and you touched on something that I think is really important for people to remember. And it's that element of discomfort. If you get into a routine where you're comfortable, your needs are met, everything is just kind of on autopilot at that point, you may become complacent and may miss out on some of these incredible opportunities where other people would say, oh, well, it was luck. But if you pushed yourself a little bit farther, kind of got outside of that comfort zone, that luck may happen more and more often because, like you said, you're pushing yourself into new directions and new opportunities. 100%. And I mean, I'm not going to say that if you step outside your comfort zone, that you're going to see the benefit immediately. When things get hard and are challenging, our, our first reaction is to quit or be like, ah, this isn't for me, right? But it's when you push through that a little bit more, just a tiny bit more, is when all of a sudden when you overcome something that's challenging, that's where the benefit comes from it. Whether or not you decide to stick with that particular thing you're working on. But to overcome that challenge, it changes your mentality 100% where for the first time in my life, when I look at a challenge, I'm like, maybe I can overcome that. And there's days where I'm like, nah, I'm just going to fail at it. But that's completely natural and it's human nature. So if you feel that, don't think that you're not meant to do something because that's what you feel. We all feel it. Everybody feels it. But it's also having that self-talk and mindset to just figure out how to overcome it. Um, look for help, for support, for people who are willing to help you. You don't have to go at it alone. Look for the resources, you know, reflect on why you want to do it. You know, for me, one of my biggest whys is that I was given the biggest opportunity in my life and my sisters are given the biggest opportunity of our life when we were adopted. And who knows where we would have been if we weren't? Who knows where we would have been if my parents had held on to us? Um, I looked, I know who they are. I know the extended family. I know that many of them are sitting in prison or jail today or are in very tough situations. And that easily could have been myself and my sisters. And I was given this enormous opportunity that I was squandering as a, you know, when I was 17, 18, 19 years old, uh, actually until I was like 22 years old. And I think about that all the time that I, 
man, I've got a purpose on this life and on this world. I've got so much more to give. I was given this opportunity from the very beginning. Like I've got to make something out of it. There's so many people who would not, who have not been given the opportunity that I was given, who would have been, who are in that situation that would have been if I wasn't adopted. And for those people alone, I'm going to make something out of myself. I'm going to do incredible things and I'm going to give back my ultimate goal when it, this is all said and done, like I want to have some very successful companies um, as an entrepreneur. And it's not because of the money. It's simply because I, well, part of it's for the money, but it's because so that I can use that money to build a dream incubator, a dream incubator that's focused on kids and underprivileged kids at a young age, where if you can intercept kids who've got a bad mentality, when not for that, for instance, like myself, who believe I can never do anything, uh, you can intercept them in a young kid, you can change their entire life. It's much harder to do so with adults, but as an adult, you also have the ability to make that decision to do something different, to move forward. Every morning you wake up as a new opportunity. Every second that goes by, you have a new opportunity. Like my teacher, Lotha Punamali says, like right now, as you're listening to this podcast, you've like, when you leave this podcast, you can do anything you want. You can legitimately get up and say, you know what? I've had this dream. I'm doing it. Or you could decide not to and continue what you're doing today. And ultimately it's really what makes you happy. Uh, no matter what it is, like don't allow other people's goals or what makes them happy drive what you're doing, figure out what makes you happy and do it because nothing else at that point matters. Cause as long as you're happy, it doesn't matter. I mean, if you want, if you like collecting leaves all day and putting them in books and that's all you do and you make no money, but all your time is focused around that. And that's what makes you happy. Just do that because that's all at the end of the day, like you're going to be happy. It's as simple as that, I guess. So I don't know. Um, I don't know. <laughs> well, and, and I think that's a great thing to remember. So many people get caught up in building a career and focusing on money and, oh, once I have money, I'll be happy. And that's not always true. Um, but if you can really find something you're passionate about and something that brings you joy and happiness, like you said, embrace that and try to incorporate that into your life as much as you can, because we do have limited time and it's not always about having money. Limited time. And I think we're all experiencing that exact moment because who experienced, who predicted that this pandemic was going to happen and the quarter million people that have passed away from it did not expect to die from a pandemic this year, right? It's a tragic thing that's happened. And that's just one random thing. People get hit by buses every day. The most random crap happens to us and you never think it's going to happen to you until it finally does, right? So not saying it's going to, but we don't know when we're going to leave this earth. And I know it's kind of cliche, but make the best out of every moment of every single day to the best of your ability. You're not always going to be able to do it. And it's okay not to always be able to do it as well. It's human nature. It's human nature to get down on yourself. It's human nature to be lazy sometimes. It's human nature to be like, Saturday morning, I'm tired. Like my baby is teething like crazy. Woke up at four o'clock in the morning. And I'm like, well, I don't want to do anything. <laughs> I mean, I still, I still went and went for a run and whatnot, but there's some mornings where I'm not going to go for the run. I'm just too tired and I'm okay with that, right? You don't have to be perfect all the time. Um, but if you make tiny improvements, if you can work towards everything, a little bit here, a little bit there before you know it, um, man, I'm just a lot of opportunities are going to ha happen. I mean, years can pass by if you don't try to do anything, you don't try to make improvements, but even if you make the tiniest improvement, I mean, if you take one piece of paper, do this as an example, take a piece of paper today, put it on your desk and every day, take another piece of paper and put it on, on top of that piece of paper. At the end of the year, look at how thick that stack has become, right? 
that tiny thin piece of paper like this, that's that same philosophy, same philosophy. Stack this tiny piece of paper up in your life every single day, or you know it, you're going to be accomplishing and conquering every goal that you ever wanted to. Well, with that, I really want to thank you for taking time out of your busy schedule to join me this morning and share your personal journey of overcoming kind of those obstacles that we talked about. And really, hopefully your story inspires other people, um, because I know even just speaking with you during this time, you've inspired me to continue to push forward and go after the things that I want to do with my life. Um, so thank you for that. Absolutely. And I mean, if anything, I hope this does inspire at least one person. And for a few years that I was talking, I mentioned that I went and talked to that, um, that class about, uh, discovering your career path. I did that for a few years in a row and there was always one kid that reached out. So, um, I mean, I can share my information if there's anybody who wants to reach out and just want somebody to listen. I'm a really good listener. I won't even see a single word if you don't want me to, but and I'm not necessarily someone who will give great advice either, but I'm someone who could definitely listen and be like, go for it <laughs> and, and whatnot. Right. And I'm willing to talk to anybody and everybody. I love people. Um, people, I'm very people focused person. People drive me in everything that I do, whether it's at work, whether it's here at my house, whether it's going out at the grocery store. I mean, it's con a smile, happiness, enthusiasm, energy is so contagious and it can change the world. If we just had a little bit more of that, it would be, it would just, it would be amazing. So if anything, do that, go out today and smile, be nice. I mean, I know it'd be behind a mask, but people, people can see that smile in your eyes. I promise. And it'll change someone's day. You don't know if someone's mom or dad could have died or sister died. And that smile might've just shifted their entire day. It could happen to anybody at any time. So be positive. Um, you got a goal, just go for it. Nothing's stopping you. If any of our listeners want to follow along with your journey or want to get in touch with you, what is the best way for them to do that? Uh, well, actually, if you go on my LinkedIn, that's, just look, type in my name, Cedric, C-E-D-R-I-C Kennedy. Look me up there. You can get in touch with me. I live on LinkedIn just because I'm talking to so many people. I've got it on my phone. That's the best way to get in touch with me, honestly. Um, my email and stuff gets super overpopulated and that's hard to decipher sometimes. Uh, yeah, that and then uh, that's about it. Yeah, I'm, I'm a pretty easy person to talk to to get along with. <laughs> I don't know well, what else to say. <laughs> like always, we'll put a link to your LinkedIn in our podcast description. So if people do want to get in touch with you, it'll be super easy for them just to follow that link and be able to send you a message and connect with you on there. Heck yeah, sounds good to me. Well, thank you again. I really appreciate it. And I look forward to seeing how your uh, additional ventures pan out and continue to grow and all the success that you'll have in the future. Man, Ryan, thank you. Thank you for having me on the show. Uh, thank you for giving me the opportunity to speak about my journey and my lemon to lemonade uh, moment. And I wish you the best of luck on this podcast. Uh, the second you reached out to me about it, I was like, this is incredible. This is exactly what I live for. This is 100% the message I want to give every single day um, when I walk out into this world. So good luck. Keep it up. I, I love it. I love it. So. As always, thanks for joining us for another episode of Crushing Lemons, and a big shout out to Cedric for sharing his story, which will hopefully help other people who may be dealing with some self-doubt and trying to figure out what their calling is. If you want to learn more about this podcast, check out our social media on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, at Crushing Lemons, and send us a tweet with ideas for future episodes. And if you or someone you know would be interested in being one of our future guests, send us a note to crushinglemons at gmail.com. Lastly, if you enjoyed today's podcast, please share it with someone you know and consider leaving us a review on Apple Podcasts or whatever streaming service you've listened to today. It really helps us grow. 
If you're dealing with your own lemon moment, just remember you're never alone. There's always other people out there who've gone through similar things. We look forward to sharing more stories with you in the future. In the meantime, keep an ear out for when our next episode drops and work to turn your lemon moments into your very own lemonade.